All week, I've had this thought on my mind, and I didn't have a clue how it was going to be a part of a Christmas message. So you stay with me, because we're going to get there. But in the Old Testament, one of the most critical things that, most essential thing for a people was water. And Abraham, the father of faith, it's recorded he dug at least seven wells, that is he and his servants, and they provided water, livelihood, for the people. And in that arid kind of world, that desert world, you can imagine how critically important water was to their very survival. And there's a long history of these, the digging of these wells, and then when the enemy would come in, in this particular case, a group called the Philistines, and what they would do is they would either poison the well or they would backfill the well with dirt. And so they would discourage a settlement in that area. They would defeat the enemy by just filling in the well. And I thought about the analogy of today of how the enemy that is the enemy of the cross, those people who align themselves against God and against his anointed, how what they do is they fill in the well of life. They try to discourage, defeat, and stop us in what we're doing. But I have good news for you. We're going back to the well. Genesis 26, verse 12, Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. I want you to notice how this story begins. It begins with this, this son of Abraham, Isaac, who goes and he, he sows in the ground. But he sows in such a way that God brings forth a reward or a benefit or reaps a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Can I tell you this, that whenever you sow, you will be blessed. And you will reap what you sow. And so we always want to sow the right stuff into the kingdom that we might reap back the right stuff in our physical life. Amen? And it says, the man began to prosper. I want you to take note of some key words here. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Do you think God was trying to make a point? Let me read it again. The man began to prosper, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Now, the short message there is God prospered him because he was faithful to sow. Now look what it says. So the Philistines envied him. Have you ever noticed that sometimes if your heart's not right and God blesses somebody or God has favor on somebody and you envy or you get, you get your heart wrong about it? And you think, well, I, who are they? I'm, I'm better than they. I'm nicer than they. I do more than they do. Why is God blessing them and not me? Wrong question to ask. Right question is, God, how do you bless me? God, what have you done in my life? How can you take and extend my life and my influence and everything I have for the glory of God? Now, the Philistines had stopped up all the wells. So we know at least seven of the wells of Abraham were now stopped up by this, this Philistine army, which is the father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they filled them with earth. Now, a little bit later in that same chapter, it says in verse 18, 
Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. I want to tell you today that there's some wells that the enemy has filled in your life. You need to go back and dig the dirt out. You need to go back and find the water, the living water that God provides from his hand alone. Can I get an amen? Amen. You see, the well was a symbol of prosperity. In your life, the well of God, when it comes, it's a symbol of prosperity. That is successful, thriving, independent, living prosperity. The reason during this close down, this lockdown, that so much attack was on small business was because it's the middle class and the businessman that becomes independent and prosperous without a government handout. And so there's always this effort to try to stop middle class people. Now you might say, well, I wish I was middle class. Well, don't worry, maybe God will take some of your money away and you will be. The second thing that the well was a symbol of was stability. That is strength and satisfaction. If you had water, you knew you could make it. You knew your livestock was gonna live, your kids were going to live, thing was going to be well. And then the third thing that a well symbolized in the Bible was legacy. That is the impact you make on your family, on your neighborhood, on your world, the ethics that you live by, the values that you hold, and the faith that makes it true. Why, there have been those who've tried to restrict the water supply of the righteous. Do you hear me? But we, we redug the wells of our spiritual fathers. Amen. They told us we could not gather or sing. We gathered and sang anyway. They told us to conform and listen to the science. We chose to listen to God and to common sense. Day after day, they tried to rob us of happiness, but we found our joy in God and not in man. They tried to destabilize us and make us weak and dependent, but we refused to be shaped by a false narrative. Instead, we redug the old wells of truth. They attack our children and seek to destroy their childhood with perversion and gender confusion, but we refuse to hand our children over to false gods. Instead, we started Influence Learning Center right here, and we sent parents, and for those parents that were in public schools, we, sent, we encouraged those parents to go in and stand at the board meeting, stand for truth. They underestimated the power of prayer. We will pray, we will stand against all tyranny in the strength of the Lord God Almighty. Can you say amen? So here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna go back to the well. It's time to go back to the well. Can you say that with me? Back to the well. And the first thing you're gonna find is Jesus is God. Can you say that with me? Jesus is God. Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14, the prophet wrote under the inspiration of God, 700 years before Jesus was ever born, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Matthew picks up the story in chapter one. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's what we call the virgin birth. In John chapter one, in verse 14, the Bible says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. When Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father, 
Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, I am the physical revelation of the Godhead. I am God walking among you day in and day out. And when he died on a cross, it was Jesus who died and rose from the dead, the God-man. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, God was manifest in the flesh. Doesn't leave you with any questions about who Jesus was. God was manifest in the flesh. When you go back to that well and you keep digging, you find out something else about Jesus. You find out that Jesus is generous. Look at Mark chapter 11. Have faith in God. We could stop there in the service, go home, and if we practice that, we'd be in good shape, amen? But I'm not going to let you do that because I have more to say. Jesus is God, he says, have faith in God, for assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. I want you to think about your own life. How many mountains do you have in your life? What's standing in the way of where you wanna go for your family, for your job, for the kingdom, for your country? What's standing in the way? It's a mountain, isn't it? It's an obstacle that you can't move. It's too big for you. You don't know what to do with it. In fact, you become discouraged and defeated. And you, you, you just think God has given up and God has forgotten. He has not forgotten. He's wanting you to go back to the well and dig out the promises of God. You see, the Bible is a promise book. It's all about living in faith, and it says here, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you have received them. See, here's the key. Many times we pray in desperation, but we don't believe we've already received them. You see, you've gotta say it's so when it's not so in order for it to be so. You gotta call those things that are not as though they are. They're in the future. No, you're gonna bring them back into the present. It says, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I'm always shocked when I pray and ask God for something and then he gives it. I don't know why, even to this day, I'm going, this is amazing. How does this work? And it doesn't matter how many times I experience it, I'm still in shock. You know why? Because I'm encountering the supernatural power of Almighty God. Instead of living in my own strength, there's some things I can explain. I can say, I can explain why this happened, how this works, because I live in this natural world. But I tell you what, when you start to see God work in the miraculous and the supernatural, then you all of a sudden your faith grows by leaps and by bounds. And guess what? When you begin to tell the story of how God worked in your life, then all of a sudden, guess what you do? Not only are you inspired, but you inspire those around you. You know, Mike was telling me a story about a healing and a, uh, of cancer and a spot and was just taken away. And he said, I don't know what anybody else would say, but I'd say God, and I'd say amen. And you know what? Whenever God works and give God the credit for everything, well, what if he didn't do it? Well, you think you're that smart? It's always amazing how people just say, you know, yeah, well, I, I just, I don't know. Isn't that a coincidence? Do you know that the word coincidence does not exist in the Hebrew language? Because theologically, it's impossible for coincidence to happen. It's always God. And we say, well, boy, that's just amazing. Wasn't that lucky? Listen, luck is not a biblical concept. Think about what we use as symbols of luck. A rabbit with three legs. We get a rabbit's foot, we call it the lucky rabbit's foot. Well, lucky for who? Not for the three-legged rabbit. I found a horseshoe. Well, not very lucky for the horse. He's running around with three shoes. 
How about a four-leaf clover? You pluck it, it starts to die the minute you do. You see, luck is not biblical. It's based on fate and not faith. This is why I tell people, you know, don't even look at the horoscope. That's just a bunch of junk that's based on, oh, I think I was born under this star, therefore I'm gonna have a great relationship with a Virgo. No, dummy, you can fight with Virgos just as much as anybody else. You put your faith in Jesus, let Jesus take care of it, amen? You see, faith, when we talk about faith, it's the pathway to Jesus' heart. You, want, you know, you say, well, I cried all night long and I don't think the Lord heard me. Probably not. He's waiting for faith. Well, I pleaded, I, I begged. It didn't do any good, did it? Faith. It's the currency of the realm. If you're gonna buy anything in the eternal kingdom, you're gonna buy it with faith. If you're gonna see anything happen, it's gonna be by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God, the Bible says, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's all about faith. You see, faith reaches into the future and pulls it back into the present. It's looking and saying, this is what I wanna see God do. Then reach out there, pull it back, and then start living like you have it instead of being discouraged because you don't see it. You're not supposed to walk by sight. You're supposed to walk by faith, faith. You see, faith creates generosity. I've never noticed uh, any time in my life where I wasn't generous and a God didn't somehow just bring back in in. in multiple, hundredfold just blessings in my life. And you know, this church is a testimony of it. I tell people all the time, if you're new and you're not generous and you keep coming, you will be generous because it's contagious. And some of you are saying, not me, I'm gonna stay selfish my whole life <laughs> just because you said that. Well, you just be surprised. You see, you, what, what's around you rubs off on you. If you hang around with selfish, stingy people, you're gonna be selfish and stingy. You hang around people that are generous, loving, and, and faith-filled, you're gonna be those things in your life. It's contagious, right? Now, you see, when we go back to the well, what are we gonna find? We're gonna find something else. We're gonna find that Jesus is king. See, you gotta go back to the well and you gotta redig and say, what are the critical cardinal truths of the word of God that I need to put into my life in this season? Because the enemy's trying to backfill it, trying to backfill it. Oh, Jesus isn't God. Oh, Jesus isn't king. Oh, Jesus isn't generous. And, and it backfilling all the time, backfilling. You gotta just be digging all the time because you're living in a world that's trying to crush your faith, trying to crush your hope and create dependency on government and on science instead of on Almighty God, amen? I don't know about you, but I like God better than I like Fauci, amen? In Micah chapter five and verse two, it says, O Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah. Now think about where God decided to be born. He didn't pick New York City, Rome, even Jerusalem. He took an obscure place because God, whenever the kingdom works, it always works from small to great, from inside to out. That's why the Bible says, you know, don't, don't despise the days of, of small beginnings in your life. That's how God works in the world. 
Jesus didn't recruit 10,000 disciples. He recruited 12, and one of them got voted off the island. You see, Jesus understands something about this principle. He says, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler of Israel, whose going forth are from old and everlasting. And the Hebrew here, the idea of going forth is the place of origin is eternity, and it is from everlasting, that is continual existence. It's talking about Jesus as the one who always was. You say, well, what, did, what about Jesus? He, what did God do without Jesus before he was born? You see, the divine Godhead always was. That's why it says in the book of Genesis, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You say, who's the us? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And we see here that in Isaiah chapter nine and verse six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. If you're confused by the government and politics, join the club. Let me tell you something about politics. It never was healthy, never was good. You say, well, I know this one guy. Well, good, that's one out of a million. Well, how about that guy? Yeah, see, we want good politicians. We want good leaders on every realm. But my hope is based on Jesus Christ and him alone. We'll do the best we can with what we've got. But I want you to know, when you lean into God, you're gonna lean into life. You see, the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Again, Isaiah the prophet wrote 700 years before this was, before Jesus came. In verse seven, it says of, of chapter nine, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over the kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice. We recently saw, in my opinion, an injustice. A female basketball star was traded for the agent of death. I think Biden should read The Art of the Deal. Why, is that, why does that bother us? It bothers us because there's a Marine that's in prison for four years that has not been released. I'm here telling you that injustice is going to exist while we're on planet Earth. You're gonna see many examples of it, but I want you to know there's coming a government of peace that will be no end, and upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it to establish judgment and justice from that time forward forever and ever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You see, here's what God's saying. I'm gonna realign government one day, and it's gonna work the way it should work. I'm gonna return truth and justice to man. And then you're gonna look back and say, now I understand what God was up to. I'm gonna give rewards to the faithful. And you're gonna say, now I understand what it's all about. I want you not to be discouraged in life. When you have that moment where you go, I'm discouraged, I'm defeated. Where is this all going? Look up, look to God. You see, Isaiah said, the Lord will guide you. This is Isaiah 58. The Lord will guide you. He will satisfy your soul in drought. He will strengthen your bones. 
You will be like a watered garden. You will be like a spring of water. You will rebuild the old waste places. You will rise up, raise up the foundations of many generations. You will be called a repair of the breach and a restorer of the streets to dwell in. I want you to know that when Jesus came, he came to destroy the works of the devil. You know what one of those works is? Discouragement, defeat, poverty, despair, sickness. All of those things are the works of the enemy. He came to restore broken people. You ever been broken? Anybody broken? Anybody ever been broken? Raise your hand. I want to see if we've got some real humans in the room. Some of you never raised, you wouldn't raise your hand for anything. It's all right. You see, the, the broken things God fixes. When I was a kid, I had a paper route. Hated it. Just want to go on record. Hated it. <laughs> Lived in Denver. It snowed. I'm out on the little bicycle throwing these papers. People are hollering at me because they're not on their porch. I'm thinking to myself, walk four feet. Are you kidding me? I'm pedaling my bike. I'm trying to get home. I'm freezing to death. I'm mad all the time on this paper route. Tried to, you know, bribe my mom to take me or drive me around. She did it like once or twice. She said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm riding my bike. I'm trying to get home. They just graveled the, the streets in Denver. And I flipped over the front of that bike. And my hands just scraped along and cut all my hands up. This is where you'd say, oh. Good, good. Only child, I need the attention, all right? <laughs> Scrape my hands up. If you look real carefully, you can still see the scars on my hands. The point is that they're scars. They're not open wounds. See, a scar is a reminder of the healing power of God in your life. It's not something you look back on and you blame somebody for. You just say, God healed. God heals broken people. God came to give us power and life in the Holy Spirit of God. And it all comes by faith. Amen? Just simply saying, God, I want you to do something with my life, heal my life, fix my situation. God, move the mountain in my life. God, and remember, you've got, to, you've got to believe it. You can't just weep about it and complain to God. You have to say, God, I'm going to live as though I'm healed. I'm going to live as though these things have come together. I'm going to do and act as though God has already done this thing for me in my life. That's what faith is. Is it hard, Pastor? Absolutely. Do you ever get discouraged in faith? I do. And you know what I do? I just recalibrate and I go back at it. Amen. I just go back at it. Get up, dust myself off, go back at it. Just go back at it. Some of you just need to go back at it. You've let life discourage you. You've let life put dirt on you and fill in the hole of, of the wells of truth. You gotta dig out. Dig out, get up on the ground and say, every time they throw a shovel of dirt on me, I'm gonna shake it off. Can you say shake it off? Yeah. I heard this story about a, little farmer had a little donkey. It wouldn't work. He dug a hole, decided he's going to bury the donkey. And he put the donkey down in the hole, started throwing dirt on the donkey. He was still alive. This is another point where you go, oh. And that donkey, whenever that dirt would hit, hit, the, hit his back, he would just shake it off and stomp. And he kept doing it. And before long, that donkey was out on the top of the ground. How many of you just need to shake it off and stomp? Would you say Amen. Let's stand together.
Heavenly Father, I pray that you will give us all the power to shake it off and stomp. Can you say that with me? Shake it off, stomp. Let's say it one more time. Shake it off and stomp. God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask you now to minister to every heart in this house. God, to, to bring about transformation for those who don't know you, that they would call upon the name of the Lord. For those who've been discouraged, you'd fill them with hope and comfort and joy. God, for those who, who have needs and mountains need to move, God, move the mountains in their life. God, those whose faith has grown low and weak in their life, God, give them faith and courage and strength right now in this moment. Holy Spirit of God, fall on this crowd. Fall on every person in this room. God, may we feel and sense the power of God, the presence of God in our life. And when we sing, may we sing giving you glory, giving you praise for what you're doing in our life and what you're gonna do in the days ahead. And all God's people said amen.